Welcome to My Career Story, presented by Luxnia Inspired. With the right information, choosing courses of study and career paths can be less daunting for young people. Join us as we hear inspiring real-life journeys and insights of professionals who made it through teen years and college to their current job roles. Now here's your host, Stephanie Inabo. Hello. Yeah. Good day, everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of this um, interview and for joining us. It's really amazing because we're going to be having um, someone who has gone a long way in the engineering field. And we're going to be discussing a number of things bordering on what teenagers face with moving from learning to schooling, learning at secondary school level to university and um, getting a job in the engineering industry. So please take your paper, take your pen, take notes, write down questions, write down ideas that come to your mind because it's going to be um, a very, very impactful journey. So I'll be introducing our speaker to us briefly so we know um, we know a, a bit, we know a little about her. So my speaker, Miss um, Engineer Chinyanye, Princess Opo, is a contract engineer with Mobile Producing Nigeria, ExxonMobil. She has over four years industry experience spanning petroleum engineering, project management, and contract procurement. Um, she's a graduate of Covenant University from the Department of Petroleum Engineering. And she obtained a master's degree in petroleum engineering and project development from the Institute of Petroleum Studies, Port Nigeria. She's a PhD candidate um, at Emerald Energy Institute, Nigeria. And she's really passionate about storytelling and giving back to her community. So we'll be discussing, um, like I said earlier, how to navigate your way if you have a passion for to work in the engineering industry. You're very much welcome, Engineer Four. It's really great to have you here. Thank you very much, Stephanie. So <laughs> I think Princess is just fine. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Thank you. <laughs> so um, how would you describe your journey because some teenagers have some some teenagers aspire to be engineers okay and mm -hmm. many times when we go to schools to speak to them about work in the fourth industrial revolution things like that you hear many teenagers say things like i want to be an engineer they don't even know that there are subsets or subsections in the engineering field so mm -hmm. What will you say to them about petroleum engineering? What is it all about? How will you describe it? Okay, okay, that's, that's fine. So, um, and just um, backing up to maybe since we're talking about teenagers. So for those who really want to start, you know, there are definitely courses that you choose for you to be able to go into engineering. But because I think we may treat that much later. Um, there are various engineering and very common ones here in Nigeria. You have mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, petroleum engineering, you hear chemical engineering, 
I don't want to go further into more engineering, but they have various <laughs> engineering. But I'm just picking like the very common ones, really. Yes. But I'll say that as engineers, what we do is we really apply like the fundamentals of science to solve problems. So wow. for petroleum engineers, we have a resource that is crude oil and natural wow. gas. And that resource is valuable in the sense that we can get energy from it. Energy, mm-hmm. we can use that energy as well. We can use that energy even to produce materials like chemical mm-hmm. product, petrochemical product, and all that. And for example, for fuel, you know, it's useful for transportation, it's useful yeah. for electricity. That we can relate to. So um, we have that resource, but that resource is most times found at great depth uh, on feet. And then it could also be shallower. So basically, this resource is found at great depth because the process great depth, um, temperature and pressures for the material to now form crude oil, which is valuable. And then for us to get down there, we need to, you know, drill down there. So even on the ground, hello, out to the surface. And, and until we get it to the surface, then we can't use it. So as petroleum engineers, starting from finding out where exactly that resource is, right? Where, where are the likely locations the resource is? Because it's not that wherever you just punch a hole, <laughs> you just see crude oil. <laughs> no, there are, there are places you have those um, petroleum accumulations and there are characteristics of the type of rocks in which it is stored, the rocks in which it is okay. formed. So it's those kind of things um, you will hear. You hear so certain skill sets you hear, like um, you hear geologists, you hear geophysicists. So those are particularly wow. interested in the subsurface. And then by the time we have said, okay, this is where there is high certainty, it is there then we need to drill to confirm. You're now here drilling engineering. And then once we confirm that it is there, we still need to make decisions. Is it economical? Because it's not enough for you to just say it is there. By the time you're spending, because it's a very capital intensive um, venture. So you have petroleum economics, like there are people, you even have accounting. So all those are, like there are, there are various, it's actually a multidisciplinary industry, but just to make it simple, for petroleum engineering, we're working to get that resource from where it is, buried at great depth, get it to the surface, we're going to treat it um, before we get it out to the customer, um, and then wherever it's going to end up in, maybe a refinery, a petrochemical industry, you know, up until the final consumers so i can go (laughs) (laughs) like this is amazing i feel like i'm attending a a class (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much princess so um then the next thing we would like to know is you know i could hear the passion in your voice and the great detail with which you spoke about petroleum engineering i've been seeing it but i've never pictured it like that so can you walk us through your journey to becoming a contract engineer 
okay you you worked as a petroleum engineer before your current role mm-hmm. um but why did you choose engineering petroleum engineering and engineering as a whole as a course of study and how would you describe your journey so far okay <laughs> so this is actually funny because i remember <laughs> there was once upon a time i wanted to okay. study petroleum, right yeah. <laughs> and that was because uh, I don't think I was watching so much cable TV or something or natural world, but I know I'd been reading about Egyptian mummies and you know people mm-hmm. finding like lost cities and all that. So at some point in time, I wanted to find my own lost city, <laughs> find some <laughs> form of heritage that was buried in the ground, or yeah. just I was fascinated with all those things. And I remember that in just three um, tours, because then you need to choose what you're going to read in SS1. So mm-hmm. I was speaking to my principal, and she was like, ah, you did so well in IntroTech. Uh, you can do technical drawing. And then I told her, she asked me, what would you like to, I was like, archaeology. And she said, well, that I should read something that is marketable in Nigeria. And that if I needed to do archaeology, that I would need to do history, which my school wasn't doing then. So then I gave what she said a thought. And I was just thinking one day, I was like, okay, Nigeria is operating like some form of, it's really hugely dependent on oil and gas. And how can I make a difference? And that was when I decided I was going to study petroleum engineering. Engineering. so, So I will say that, I kind of knew what I wanted to study early, like as early as just three. And by the time it was time to fill in um, the course of study and the university in why after writing work and um, jump and all of that, I literally put petroleum engineering like both ways. Wow. I didn't know whether I would get admitted, but I just knew that that's what I wanted to study. But that was because I I was kind of familiar with what was going on in the country, just hearing news and knowing how we really dependent on the we really dependent on this resource. So mm-hmm. that that was what informed my choice. Now after school, and yes, I ended up now, you know, have doing science courses in SS3, in JAM, I did uh, math, English, I did physics, I did chemistry. So I, I believe there are certain combinations now that you would definitely need, um, like yeah. when you're doing your UTME or your jam that you need to pick. In WIAC, I did math, English, economics, I did geography, biology, chemistry, physics, and further math. Mm-hmm. And what I would like to say here is because sometimes um, as when you're younger, you think like some courses are hard. Yeah. <laughs> some courses. I remember when I did chemistry, there is a very um, common textbook related to Ababio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if, you're doing, if you're doing chemistry, there's no way you don't know Ababio and all that. All I would just like to say before I move on as to, you know, my journey after school was, there's no course that is hard. Like, no course is hard. You can study it and, 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 and you can understand it. And, you know, for me, I take time to understand, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I won't say things come easy, but I know that I devote yeah. enough time to understand. And once I understand, you know, it makes a whole lot of difference. And I think early I started, if I understand, then I begin to teach people. And I noticed that it sticks. 
because mm. you teach somebody, they have questions, you begin to see that subject in different lights. So that, that for me is the takeover, right? While you're in secondary school, let nobody tell you math is hard or mm-hmm. chemistry is hard or physics is hard. Just be really committed, ask and love questions, know your learning pattern. Like um, if you're somebody, I, I myself, I, I relate well to subjects when I can see what's their application in my environment. So, okay. so nothing is hard. So moving on to after school, I... You know, obviously, um, chose petroleum engineering. Thankfully, I got admission, so I didn't have to wait. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to wait at home. And in case you have to wait at home, that's not an issue. You can still get it. Yeah. But you just have to put in your best rights because you would know the school you're applying to. There are schools that actually, if you're looking to study petroleum engineering, you look at the brochure and then you see the schools that offer that. And then they would have like their cutoff mark and all that. And all you need to do is just achieve, you know, the cutoff mark. And if you are going to do an interview, just answer the questions appropriately. So I got into Komuna University. And I used to think that Petro Engineering would just be chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. Hmm. <laughs> but I got to understand that it was not only chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. There were other things. And I want to give a shout out to my chemistry teacher because she did a very good job making me understand it. Mrs. Badra, I remember her name. Wow. Now, and, and so it was not just chemistry. We had taught at some point in time, Fortran, like just programming language. We're even tra- contracting is, <laughs> contracting is part. <laughs> contracting is definitely part of this yeah. petroleum engineering. You're taught programming, you're taught even Excel, you know, how wow. to be able to, to use data. And then you're now taught, you know, subsets of um, petroleum engineering, which most you most times hear drilling engineering, reservoir okay. engineering, production engineering. And then you can really now um, appreciate it more because in our fourth year, we do some form of internship. So you're going to you have internship with, you know, your industrial attachment. And then you can see an application of um, what you have been doing in school. And surprisingly, I did my internship then with mobile um, wow. in Akwaipo. But then I did my internship in the instrumentation department, and that was more of electrical. But somehow I was able to now, I mean, doing it with instrumentation department, I learned about process more. I learned about process. And, you know, when you hear, when this crude oil comes to the surface, you need to treat it. You need to first separate it because it's going to come with oil, gas, water most times. So, and we are not a water producing company. So we need to remove the water, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> oil and gas. And normally you just be looking at vessels and you just be thinking it's one container. But then with instrumentation, <laughs> I was able to value, yes, I was able to value that they are, you know, there are conditions of pressure, temperature, in which you can get the separation you need, right? So all those things, there is spill, so there is level, all those things are monitored. There is even flow, you monitor the flow. So I would say that my internship, because I don't think it's everybody that even when you um, get an internship, you may not be posted to an exact department that you can, I appreciate your cost of study, but then being able to ask questions, right? 
-hmm. ask people questions and all that because then you still have to come back and now <laughs> you have to fill something in your logbook <laughs> and then defense <laughs> in final year so yes um my my university journey was really good wow. um, i graduated well and then after school nyc and nyc <laughs> And this journey seems long, but just to be elaborate. So NYC, I was posted to Niger State, and that's where I met Stephanie. <laughs> and trust me, had... <laughs> I was thinking I'll get posted to somewhere like Delta, Rivers, well, Lagos. You know, somewhere. <laughs> yes, I think that time, you know, you know, government really was enforcing people having to go into educational institutions, serving various. So for me, I served in a school <laughs> and it was wow. nice. Uh, NYC was the sole, you know, self-discovery. Yeah, I did. I tried business for the first time, so it was not out of place. But I made a decision when I was in NYC because I know that um, to get back into the industry, right, I needed the right work ethic. So I, I really did not want to practice a habit of just being a bit complacent, maybe... So even while going to school, I would still get there very early, you know, engage with the teachers and all of that. And then thankfully, um, after, after my NYSC, I got a job based on a recommendation. And I'll say that post-graduation, I've done some short internships also. So those are things that still exposed me further. Like I, I did internships um, wow. and learned contracts and procurement for the first time learned about business development and and finally i realized that i needed more knowledge and that's when i decided to have my master's program in institute of petroleum studies and after that i got a job uh, i did more drilling engineering and then before i moved to my current company where i started doing a bit of project management, project engineering, and then now I'm doing contracting. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful combination of different things, I would say. But, you know, everything finds its place. But all these things, I would say, are important because, especially for contracting, if there's going to be any good workable relationship um, in business, you need contractual, well-defined contractual agreements. No one wants to cheat or be cheated. So, and things must be well-defined in paper for you to ensure that, you know, each person is getting the better part of the deal as you people agreed. So I think it's, it's also a very important aspect. And uh, in every, in, in most likely every industry, you, you would have contractual agreements. Even as simple as getting a house. You, you, have agent, you will sign agency fee. Your, your tenant will, or your, your landlord as a tenant will give you some form of agreement to sign because they want, you both of you want to understand you know, what are the conditions that you have to fulfill. So I would say it's, it's a very important part of business and that's what I'm doing right now. Wow. Wow, this has been mind blowing because um, the journey from when you just imagine that 
city under the world that you go and get. And um, to this stage where in contracts has been really amazing. You know, I something you said caught my attention and it was um, how you chose to maintain a strong work ethic even when you were in another, you were doing something else. Okay, mm -hmm. so there has been that consistency with that. And I, I'm, I'm sure if you look back now, you would see mm -hmm. some things you did, a lot of things you did right. And um, things, choices that you made that mm -hmm. have helped you get here. So what will you say you wish you had known when, when you were in college or before you started your career in um, engineering? Okay. <laughs> This is a very okay. So um and well, what would I have loved to have done? So I would okay. say two two things do. Um okay. so now we know that it's like IT age, you hear buzzwords, data analytics, mm -hmm. big big data, um yeah, machine learning and all of that. Well, if I start earlier, I'd love to have learned programming early. Wow. Yes, because right now I think it's a very core skill, irrespective of even if you say I'm more towards arts or more, mm -hmm. it it kind of helps you if there's a problem to solve, and you know how, especially if there is a repeated approach to how you go about you know solving okay. the problem and then you can make it more efficient. So if you have that skill, you literally can think about how, you know, how, how can you solve this? You, maybe, maybe, maybe what you do is you're always having to go to an Excel file to pick this data, pick that data, and just create something where you can just search. It's just like, and, 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 and many, many innovative things have come from just programming. Now we can, any thing, if I want to ask someone a question, you can just go ask Google. Google. <laughs> There's a whole lot behind all of that, right? And yeah. even more technological advancement that we're seeing now. So I think it's actually a core skill of programming or da data analytics right now. Just knowing how to, because we are, there's a myriad of data out there. And just knowing how to yes. pick the useful information that you need and the useful mm -hmm. information that should drive people to make decisions you need to be able to you know analyze so i would say but it's never too late at least now <laughs> I know it. um something i would have also loved to have known much earlier is you know it, it's good to try out entrepreneurship my first business um like trying out something i had to do business was when i was in nyc <laughs> and it was so in the family house then, NCCA family house, you know, because, you know, we had kind of a regimented timetable of what it. So yeah. I tried out, I remember I tried out just selling salad because I know that people need to eat rice. Uh, and, you know, not just rice and meat, what can go with rice and meat? It could be plantain, mm -hmm. it could be salad. So I know there were some other people that, I know someone that was frying, um, frying plantain and all that. Yes. But then I tried salad. I was meeting a business need. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> the need was just to have, you know, spice your food, make it a bit more interesting. 
So mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is actually something that, you know, I think that people should embrace, right? Because many times we are trying to have a good job, settle down and just, you mean, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. You can see yeah. a need and you can meet that need. And the need can be in about any industry, irrespective of what you study. Mm-hmm. You can like to cook. I think that, or you can like, you can be somebody who likes fitness and you see that more people are obese. Or even in this COVID-19 period, you can see that a lot of people have, are struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, therapy and counseling is something that is, is becoming increasingly important. So I would say entrepreneurship and programming. Wow. Think, uh, uh, <laughs> I would have loved to know earlier, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, I think that brings out a number of things because in the minds of some teenagers, it may be that there isn't a direct relationship between programming and a course like engineering. They may not know. So they may not take classes mm-hmm. in computer serials and the opportunities to learn mm-hmm. programming skills. But with this, mm-hmm. it will go a long way in helping them. And I love the entrepreneurship part because that just forces your mind to think about how to use knowledge you've acquired to help mm-hmm. people, you know, bring it to mm-hmm. a place where, okay, you're thinking about how can someone's life change because of the knowledge I have acquired. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. So I would move us to something else that is, that bothers a lot of teenagers and um, young people currently in school. It's about the institutions that we have in the country. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes people apply for scholarships out, but most of mm-hmm. the teenagers apply for scholarships within the country. So what should a teenager who wants to be an engineer or a mm-hmm. petroleum engineer you know, consider mm-hmm. when choosing where to study? And in what ways can the locations or the, the institutions they choose hamper mm-hmm. their careers or become a roadblock in their mm-hmm. careers, probably because they didn't get the kind of experience that they needed or they didn't meet the kinds of people they needed to meet or things like that. Because most of our courses in tertiary institutions are not truly multidisciplinary. Um, you mentioned that in, you, in your institution, they taught you several things in contracts, programming, you know, different things. But how can teenagers acquire related skills, other valuable skills while at school? Um, if their mm-hmm. schools don't give them something as robust as this when they are studying engineering or petroleum engineering. Okay, so I think there are many questions in that. In one. Well, yeah, there are many questions. But I'll say that one of the important things that a school does is teach you how to learn. Okay. Not necessarily only learn what's, or just teach you how to learn. And you learn by even interaction with people. So most times, um, like when I, when somebody tells me I'm studying this, I'm usually quick to ask, so how do you plan to use this when you graduate? Like, well, did you have anything in mind? Because I know there are some persons that <laughs> may put down a contract because they saw somebody else putting it down or they have, or they just had something fancy somewhere. So irrespective of whether you already know why, you chose that course or somehow you have found you know um, you have found yourself doing that 
I would say that a university helps you to learn and you can learn your course of study. You can learn by interacting because you also want to know a little about, you know, what else is going on around you in your environment. And it's not every time we end up pursuing what we studied, you might end up, you might end up pursuing um, something you're passionate about, which it can be directly tied to your course of study or not. So you want to have those interactions. And there is also the, the way the internet has made it nowadays is that the world is a global village. So yes. truthfully, I'll say there's not much excuse as to, I don't know this. I, if, you are, if you are actually, if you're tenacious and you kind of have clarity as to maybe this is where you're going to or this is what you're passionate about, then you start asking questions like, what do I need? Like, what knowledge don't I have? Do I have a gap? What don't I know? By the time you begin to ask those questions, what don't you know? Then you now say, okay, where can I find this resource? Like, and, and to tell you the truth, there are, a lot of, like, there are a lot of massive online learning courses right now. Some of them are even free that you can learn about different things. You can, you can pursue and you can try out so many things. I'll say that persons are not restricted, right? Yeah. But just that where I started, the ability to learn, I think is very fundamental. Asking questions. I, I would, because I have a fridge just in front of me, <laughs> I would say, even asking, how does this fridge, like, how, does, how do I put hot food or warm food? And then, you know, there's that process of exchange. How does it get cold? Just for mentally asking questions. You have a car. <laughs> how am I able to start it? And, you know, how does that fuel I put inside? How is it converted to energy? That, and along with what I have in my battery, chemical energy I have in my battery, how is it now converted to motion? You know, mechanical energy, and then you can go to wherever you're going to. So I would say you're not restricted. Uh, in whatever university you find yourself, I think the basic is that you're able to learn. And if you begin to ask questions as to what are you passionate about? Where are you headed? And, and, and in that course of study, for example, let me say petroleum engineering or any course, identify like a mentor, right? Identify like a mentor in that field. And some mentors, you can approach them and ask questions. Some mentors, you can literally just study the parts they went through. And just, for example, I'll say that we have a society, Society of Petroleum Engineers. It's, um, it's a non-profit um, international organization and we have more than a hundred thousand members across the world and it's an organization that is committed to technical knowledge dissemination and there are a lot of activities we participate in and that for me was one of the societies that I was introduced to while I was in university and it brought me closer to the industry I've made so many connections with persons and I'm able to ask questions um, and I, I don't think that asking questions just stops that when you're in just trying to pick a science course or an arts course 
or a business and finance course, I still have questions right now. And then I keep asking people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I even ask questions as to, for example, I myself that had a pocket here, a pocket there. How does this all add up? Like, what would I say I'm a master of? Or how would I say this journey is like evolving? So just to summarize, right, because there are so many questions in that, in what you said. Your university is going to teach you to learn. Um, Mm -hmm. You can self-reflect, then you would ask yourself some basic questions. Where am I headed? What am I passionate about? What do I want to use this course of study to do? Are there mentors? Like, can I identify mentors? Are there societies too? Like, does my course of study has like a professional body that I can be a part of? Um, now you can interact with people respectfully, for example, over LinkedIn. Uh, so you need to put yourself out there also. And, mm-hmm. and then take online courses and explore your passions. Interact with persons. I, I think in a schooling environment, you also meet different people. And, and so it helps that you can be exposed to different things. So I, I, I will say that, I, will, I, I won't say that a schooling environment may be just disadvantaged. But yes, there are certain things that, you know, there are places that may have a better infrastructure, right? So just know what gaps you have and then start asking questions. How do I close that gap? And then take those steps. I I knew that I needed more knowledge and that's why I went to do a master's. Hmm. For PhD, I would say I need more knowledge but also because I like the academic <laughs> I, I like the academic field. Uh, I've, I found myself teaching things that I know even from a young age. So I still look forward to you know, teaching and impacting on both where I am and then, you know, sometime in the future. So, yeah, just ask, there are certain questions and the moment you begin to ask questions, and I would advise you write them down. Mm-hmm. When people tell me things all off the top of their head, I'm like, that's very good. It becomes clearer, write it down. Ask more questions, write it down. So you even know when you start that journey because the journey is not always a straight path. You can always come back and re- revisit why am I doing what I'm doing? Why did I even start in the first place? Yeah. And what are the challenges and what are the opportunities? So all those questions, you need to keep, I'll just say keep asking questions, know that you can learn, then supplement for whatsoever information you think you're not exposed to using technology right now, using the internet, using interactions with people, seeking email. Wow. Wow. I, I, I couldn't have thought of a better way of answering this question. You, you took it from it being about the institution to mm-hmm. the choices that they make and how they interact with the information they have access to. And I really love what you said about not stopping to ask questions, keep asking questions. It doesn't stop in secondary school. Um, mm-hmm. When you come to university, even after you're done, you would ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions. Finding mm-hmm. mentors, using the internet in a way that lines up with your goals. So mm-hmm. it really, really makes, a, it's really a lot of wisdom here. Wow, thank you so much. So 
like you said, it's not about the institution. We hear lots of graduates complain about the gap in mm-hmm. in between the gap between what they are taught in schools and what the workplace needs. And you mm-hmm. you I, I remember speaking with a teenager not too long ago, and he was not paying attention to some of his subjects. On mm-hmm. going deeper in the discussion, I figured out that he had the mindset that okay. Um, how many people that even finish school get a job and mm-hmm. how is he sure he's going to use this thing? And this is not limited to this teenager because it's this mm-hmm. mindset of school has come, all these things just for nothing. People that mm-hmm. don't go to school are the ones doing well, you understand? So mm-hmm. we agree that there's a lot that the educational system has to do with catching up um, with these changes. But um, to what degree is what's teenagers learn in school what you learned in school to what degree mm-hmm. was it connected to what you did in university and mm-hmm. after university in your workplace now um mm-hmm. what's the relationship and if what would you say to a teenager who thinks there is no need for secondary school education just the certificate you know what would you say to them and what was your experience so <laughs> you mentioned, and it's possible, right? Because many people want to quote, they'll see certain, um, this person, some big names we know, especially mm-hmm. in IT. Uh, Bill Gates didn't finish. <laughs> didn't finish. <laughs> well, he went to school. And what school did he go to? A very tough school at that. So mm-hmm. it's very easy for people to mention they didn't finish. <laughs> Now, I, I, I would say that school is not a scam and it's not just certificate because mm-hmm. there is, so there is schooling within the four walls of the university, not necessarily physical walls, but there is schooling okay. within the four walls of the university and there is schooling beyond that. And that mm-hmm. is something that even if you went to school, some people do not, and there are many reasons why people may not get access to jobs. Okay. Um, there is uh, my 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 school had this um, core value, um, and that was so. Now I, I need to try and remember what the core values. Well, my school had um, core values. Um, so the core values were spirituality, integrity, possibility, mentality, capacity building. Now I want to have on the two. Um, that's not all of the. Let me just say the rest because when they hear this, they just be like, "What are the many?" Responsibility, <laughs> diligence, and sacrifice. So they are in other in order to get access to opportunities. I would say that there are attitudes that help you. Okay, you know, wow. beyond just having the core skills and the core knowledge, there is even what many people describe as soft skills. Right, your ability yes. to work with people, your attitude. If you're somebody who maybe even on interview day, you're not punctual. You're already portraying an impression and people, when they want to hire you, they're looking for the best candidates. And because the world is a very competitive place, you need to put your best foot forward. That's what I would say. So to just only attribute that the reasons why people don't get jobs or are not really able to use their cost of study is just basically from maybe um, the fact that school doesn't provide them all their resources. No. I don't think that there, there are a whole, there are plethora of reasons why people 
end up not being able to utilize what you know there are so many things people go through but i i i would say that school is not a scam um school helps you to interact um you have so many persons studying different courses and so when we already talked about learning earlier you can is in school that people even start up businesses and then i know then your mates are a bit more forgiving <laughs> a bit more <laughs> your early days right think about the likes of zuckerberg here of facebook many times facebook started from just creating something that can connect people in schools yes that's where what it was built for before it became like a worldwide connection platform and so many other things that people started test running it in schools right so i i won't say that school beyond just academics there are even extracurricular things that you do that you know when you're coming out and you're asked to present a resume and they are looking for okay this person has organizational skills where are you going to get it from for example maybe you have been a class rep or you have been maybe the welfare secretary or you've been you have been some of form of leadership role while you're in school it still goes a long way because there are certain skills that beyond just technical skills that are being looked at your your leadership skills your mm-hmm. communication skills they will give you assignments and say come and present it um they will give you and say you have a defense like many times you can relate to final year project defense yeah. and even if you know all the knowledge in the world <laughs> you cannot come there and appear like you are sweating you're scared you need to come and present make a case right so i would say that those other things are some things that people don't see that school gives now nevertheless learning does not stop only at your normal university education you have to be a lifelong learner because i mm-hmm. think at the core of it what you want to do is to be a value adding member of wherever you find yourself whether it's a job or a business you want to be able to add value and to add value you need to learn you need to learn and 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 even when you start adding value can you do it better so i'll say value addition right i know many times people are Yes, people want to earn a living. They want a job that would be able to, you know, pay their bills, which is key. But you are going to be able to do this more when you can add value. And you can add value from what you study, you can add value from what you're passionate about. But then you you need to be able to learn. But don't just say school is a scam. And there are some places that all you need to do is provide a certificate. Like you don't need to talk too much. They just say, "Okay, we need to so, so maybe first class or second class or second class upper all you need to do is just present your certificate like what if you don't have a certificate is that saying that the world is not fair <laughs> somebody said even if all figures are not equal must your own be the shortest no it doesn't have to be so whatever it is that you need to put your best foot forward please add it to yourself you owe yourself that responsibility <laughs> go to school learn and i would say that you know um internships are kind of mandatory for science and engineering students but i don't mm-hmm. think even if 
you um, you are in a course where internship is not mandatory, you shouldn't seek out one during your holidays. Mm -hmm. If, for example, the peculiar situation here in Nigeria where you may have protest or riot and times when you're out of school, use that as an opportunity to do something. Seek an internship. And now I even think there are virtual internship options where people are engaging in online internships from the comfort of wherever they are. So don't just be blindsided to one side of the narrative, right? And don't fear other people's fear. <laughs> Do your own research and then seek opportunity. And then, like someone said, <laughs> if opportunity doesn't knock, make it up. <laughs> make it up. Go and knock. <laughs> Go and knock on opportunity. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love what you said about the extracurricular activities, um, how they provide a platform for other skills and how that within the school environment you get to meet other people. This, this is so rich. And I believe that, you know, what you, your experience in the internships contributed to making it easy for you to make choices even in what you will study further. So it doesn't stop at um, secondary school, university, because if you stop, if you choose not to further at any level, you're stopping yourself from going ahead to levels after that. So I really love what you said about value too, and how that it's what you learn that enables you to add value, okay, in, in whatever context you find yourself. So these days, a lot of jobs are not made public. And um, yes, you may go to Jobberman and check some of those open positions, but there are many jobs that don't make it to Jobberman. Those positions get filled in-house before they come out openly. So what, um, okay, you've mentioned the certificates, some of the societies um, that they can join. And you mentioned internship opportunities. Um, how can these graduates, let's move up, maybe those who are done with university or those who are already studying um, petroleum engineering, how can they, they take advantage of opportunities like internships and volunteering? Now, I don't know if you can get a little specific. Are there certificates that they should get? Do you... Uh, recommend how a way that they can look for internship opportunities. I know you mentioned that there are virtual internship opportunities, but looking back at your experience, how did you come across the ones that you went for? So let me summarize it into one big question. How can they crack the employment code? Um, and what would you recommend in terms of certificates, internships, and volunteering opportunities for them? Okay. So, um, and this is a very wonderful question. Actually, even have like a webinar that is coming up that is tagged maximizing internship. So let me use it as an opportunity oh. to share with you so that maybe interested persons can join it. It's being done for okay. a particular school. But I would wow. say that, and I want to summarize this by, because you're talking about opportunities, right? You say cracking yes. them. So there are not many opportunities, but there are many persons that want these opportunities. 
and I'll say you want to put your best foot forward. How? You need to be more visible. Um, so I would ask, are you on LinkedIn? It's, I would say it's one of the most professional social media sites where you need a profile. Because many times, like when I've even, I've gotten jobs just from, you know, people looking at your profile. They are saying your skills dead or your experience. And they say, okay, I'd like to get to know this person. So you need to be more visible, more visible. And how, when I say put your best foot forward, how do you portray yourself? Some people even go as far, some recruiters go as far as checking your Facebook and some of your other profiles. And then if you have gone to speak very rash or vulgar okay. or words that are not representative of your personality, you're shooting yourself in the leg because people always want to hire the best candidates. And no one is saying that you should be unauthentic, no. But how do you, you know, it's just like when you meet somebody, you see someone who is dressed in rags and somebody who is dressed appropriately. You are yet to even communicate with them to know what they are made of. But you have already judged them just based on appearance. So I will say that. And and I and I do it from time to time. I Google my name. <laughs> and then I find out what's my name associated with. And mm. I also Google some other people's name. And you know you can create the narrative around your name. What do you want to be associated mm. with? Wow. What are you passionate about? If you're passionate about community development, it means that you'll be engaging in more things that have to do with community development. So when people Google your name, they're going to find out that you did this, you did that, you did this, you engaged in this. So mm -hmm. still coming back to the major thing, put your best foot forward by becoming more visible online. Um, the things you're passionate about, put it out there. Because sometimes recruiters want to know that you engage the you know, other things beyond your course of study. But there are core skills that are needed in every industry. And so seek those opportunities outside of even maybe where you're applying to. It could be your church, it could be your religious organization, it could be a mosque, it could be... Take up leadership roles. And many times, your um, recent graduates are like, how do I have... Like, when you're asking people for five, seven years experience. Where am I meant to have that from? I'm just a recent graduate. I think there are certain roles that what they are looking at is, do you have the skills? Do you have team, you know? Do you have teamwork? Can you work in a team? And so just organizing things. Do you have organizational skills? Like I already alluded to data analytics. When persons have to make decisions, do you keep them playing around with just presenting them with data? Can you say, this is what I've observed? Mm -hmm. And based on what I've observed, these are my recommendations. And that is why every single aspect of what you go through is really important. This just makes me remember that in like the projects you write in school, they will tell you to write recommendation and conclusion. Yes. Because you need to be able to pick out from all the things you analyze, what can you recommend? And what are you concluding? So it's something that I, I want to bring it back home. So, um, so let's imagine how you're somebody who has been taking various routes to your office, traffic. 
-hmm. And then you have observed that when you pass this route at this particular time, there is always traffic. If you pass this other route, there is lesser traffic. You know, it is as simple as you want to go by this route, then wake up by 5 a.m. and fly this route. The moment is 5.30, you know, mm -hmm. we experience traffic. It's just as simple as you have been passing through that road, but it has probably not come to you that that is data and that is information. And that can now drive how, you know, if you sleep maybe too long, you know the roads that you pass and you know the roads that you will not pass. So um, I, I started with the fact that you need to be more visible. There are skills that you yes. can get. I said leadership skills, communication skills, writing skills. Writing is going to school does not necessarily how to write in a clear and concise manner. Presentation skills. Um, um, Microsoft, like, ex so let me, data analytics skills. They're basic, you know, learn how to use Word documents, how to use Excel documents. Those are just sometimes basic computer literacy skills that you need. I'll say that, except you're already very definite about the opportunity you get. There are some certifications that may be or maybe not relevant because those, you know, some certifications have expiry dates. And for example, I myself, I would say petroleum engineering. There is no certainty that when you apply to a particular, except maybe you apply an experience role or you get a particular position. Sometimes you apply and they are the ones that put you in the department. Okay. And so maybe if you have gotten certain certifications in something else, well, it may, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that you are disadvantaged, right? So I'll say when it comes to certifications, you really ask questions, right? I mean, people go ahead and do, I'll hear things that most times NYC students will do. They want to write PMP, project management. They want to do one HSC. They want to do, you know, Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not skeptical about these things, but except you are very certain. And so ask questions around those and you can get all the required, you know, but beyond just getting just certificates, name, make sure you know the things that you learned. Like, how can you use all those things they taught you from all those certification courses? I think that's key. Because don't just be able to present certificates. <laughs> it's not enough. It's definitely not enough. It doesn't boil down to results. The information you how does how like how can you use it? What can you recommend from it? So um so get those extra skills, get involved in things, volunteer. That's very key. Some things, I remember a particular period when I didn't have a job and I told myself I was going to write to so many companies and if they could even hire me for free, I wouldn't mind because I was the one who needed the opportunity and yes. I needed to show, you know, I needed to show that I had something to offer and then I could learn fast also. So sometimes you would volunteer for things. Um, are there societies you can be a part of? That way you are closer to information because just like we talked about, it's not everything that is posted, you know, in the job front. Network also, 
network, like know how to meet people, respectfully meet people. I have to use that word, respectfully meet people. Some people message me on LinkedIn and they're asking me questions that have nothing. Like, it doesn't make me think that I want to progress the communication further. So, respectfully know how to meet people, engage people. And when you engage them, make sure you have the questions you want to ask them so that you can make good use of your interaction with them. And what else would I say? Know how to package yourself well, cover letter, CV. And maybe because I'm more used to engineering, um, some roles require that you take some exams. Some exams may be home of GMAT, maybe GRE. So be practicing. <laughs> be practicing. Because many times, what I do, rush up, I've got to touch up my math, touch up my physics, touch up my engineering knowledge. <laughs> In your leisure time, you know, be practicing. Some of them require speed and accuracy. So, yes know what you want and now begin to ask what are the resources and just be just um, what what else would i say that uh, and 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 so when you meet people because i believe you begin to meet people i got i got i've gotten a job based on recommendation so i will also say that your attitude matters don't be a rude person um don't underestimate you know the relationships you have because it may just be somebody who is recommending you for something and whatever you do, do it excellently, right? So that whatever you have done can speak for you, even in spaces where you're not able to speak for yourself. People can remember you for, they know that that person is very hardworking mm -hmm. and we can give her or give him a chance. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what else. Um, and then, if jobs, paid employment doesn't come, that's, <laughs> there's entrepreneurship. Yes. There is entrepreneurship. Trust me, there is, there is entrepreneurship, actually. And that's another, <laughs> that's yes. a thing of its own. Yes. yes. So there is, if paid jobs, there is entrepreneurship and you can team up, you can partner with people. There are so many things you can do in this world. I, I actually believe there's so many things. Just find a need. Find a need. Find a need. Ask yourself what are the things that you're not comfortable with. Even the things you complain about in Nigeria are also opportunities to explore. So find a need. Right now, so many people are having to learn online. And yes. some people are, for example, we're using Zoom right now. Yes. But the person who created Zoom realized that not all meetings will be physical. And let me create something that, you know, we can have a teleconference even when we're not physical. And to tell you, even in this period where many businesses have suffered from the impact of COVID-19, Zoom has made huge profits. So as many other industries and, you know, just from meeting a need. So, yeah, begin to think. Just think, think that way and don't think like you're a victim. You don't come from a silver, like you don't have a rich background or you must know somebody or have one long leg or 
don't think that way. Don't think that way. Just improve yourself. So I think <laughs> I think I've been speaking a lot of things, but be visible. I know how you are visible. Google your name, try it. Learn skills, leadership skills, communication skills, writing skills, programming skills, data analytics skills. There are so many free courses online. Volunteer, find out the societies you can be a part of. And then if you don't get paid employment, you know, consider entrepreneurship. Consider that. And let me <laughs> let me say this. Oh, this is amazing thank you so much i you know when you said it's not it's, the certificates do not equate results i'm paraphrasing it just blew my mind because there's that tendency to rush and feel okay it's when you get the certificate you get that certificate and you know when you mentioned preparing for exams like gre um that's practicing before that time it was really powerful because I, I think I haven't considered that before. And for someone entering maybe 100 level, hearing this from now, the person can start practicing. So you said a lot of things, but you said a lot of powerful things that are going to really help different people at their different stages. Okay, so, you know, when, when these teenagers take the step and get the volunteering opportunities or the internship opportunities. Um, what skills and competencies, sorry about the noise, what skills and competencies should teenagers um, seeking to work in this field? I know, I know you touched on a few of them. You spoke about writing skills, presentation skills, and um, things like that. What would you say they need to do? And I want to say it very big thank you before we go on for giving us the link to that upcoming webinar. I'm going to make sure we share it and a number of people are able to make it. But what, what skills and competencies should the teenagers look to get? To so, build? with respect to petroleum engineering or just engineering? Um, petroleum engineering specifically. Okay, and I don't want to put the two questions in one, but let me risk it. What, which of your secondary school subjects are foundational in gaining admission and practicing petroleum engineering? Getting admission is one thing, but to practice, you need the knowledge. What subjects and what skills should they have? So when I was in secondary school, and I think some things may have changed a little because I know there is, I don't know what I did, management um, so I've heard of um, courses like civic studies data management um, I think maybe there may be some new additions of subjects but when I was in school I did maths like work I did maths maths is maths, maths is fundamental <laughs> wow. maths is fundamental maths English Please repeat that again. English. <laughs> Some people feel they don't need English. <laughs> English, English, math, English, biology. I think some people, based on sometimes biology may be or may not be a prerequisite, but 
Okay. Biology, chemistry, physics, super engineering. You can't joke with chemistry, you can't joke with physics. I did further maths. Further maths may not be compulsory. I did economics also. I did geography. And yeah, at least those were the major ones I remember. So, mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad you asked this question. Do you know the things that we are taught in secondary school? Hmm. They are like basic, <laughs> they're really basic things. Like, wow. Basic and the fundamental is what matters. Hmm. The fundamental is really what matters. Like the fundamentals, I remember our physics experiment, because many of the things that we see operating, the technologies operating, they are just on basic principles that we'll talk about. We see planes flying in the air. You would have, for, for physics, you hear of the law of aerodynamics. You can see how do we have like transportation via the sea, and then you talk about the law of flotation, and all these things you even be taught when you are, I don't know, maybe as a child, you would have tried making paper ships. I remember how you make paper ships and put it on water. And, or some, ex, some, some exercises, they will tell you to try different things. Put like a foam on water, put stone, see which one of them floats or which one of them, you know, sinks. Just simple, simple things that <laughs> simple, simple things that we are taught in school that all those things are very fundamental. Or you talk about like when you invest, you are taught thermodynamics. And just from my small scale fridge that is staring at me in front to large scale liquefaction plants that you see, you, you'll be hearing about things like LNG. So those fundamentals in secondary schools, I think, understand them well, ask questions. The world is operating on just these fundamentals, actually. If you understand the principles of how this works, that's, 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 really, how, that's really how the world is operating. And I'm just trying to pick like very simple, like simple things that we can relate with. <laughs> simple things. I'm trying to pick like simple examples, you know, around us that, that we can relate. For example, let's talk about our, let's talk about, and I have a water bottle, but it's not a water bottle. But let's talk about our basic like fleets in the house used to kill mosquitoes and all that. All that was done was, you know, knowing how pressure, volume interact. Um, you have like, um, you have a pressurized fluid in that split bottle and there's a restriction. Like you, you see the small tiny space where it's going to come through. And then when you press it, you know, it opens up. And then that's when you have that effect of, because you have like an active agent in it and then you're not able to disperse. And that's as simple as killing cockroach or killing. But it's as simple, it's simple as Ball's law, Charles law. <laughs> how does pressure interact with volume? How does it interact with temperature? I'm just trying to pick very simple things. So those things are simple, but just going back to skills and competencies, leadership. Communication, programming, 
data analytics. I don't think they are skewed to any particular. And then analytics, <laughs> there's data analytics, but they're just analytics being able to break down a problem, right? Really understand how to solve a problem. So you are able to analyze, like be able to break down problem solving skill is a skill. Problem solving is a skill. You see a problem, you begin to break down, okay, what are the minute parts of this? You know, if you cannot solve it as a whole, mm -hmm. what are the smaller elements of this problem and how can you, and, and from what end can you tackle that problem? Uh, engineering, what other skill? In terms of engineering, I would say that these skills are mentioned. Uh, they are just they are fundamental. There may be more, you know. I maybe have missed here. I'll be sure to maybe update you with them. I'll be sure to update you with them. But I think these ones are mentioned, and I think they are applicable across board. Yes, yeah. They are generic, but I think they are applicable across board. I don't want to be saying solving mass. Why do I feel okay. like I've been talking a lot? No. <laughs> we need we need the information. You know, there's no telling how far one statement about the engineering or learning will correct a lot of mindsets for teenagers and the informed decisions they can make from it. So we really appreciate um, how far you've brought us. And um, I'm thinking we can go to talking about um, sorry, applicants who don't get admission. Though you've touched on it, um, maybe those who don't get admission, but you know, in the minds of some students, there's mm -hmm. a divide between HND, BSc, things like that. So how true is this in the engineering industry? Do people who have HND get less chances than those with BSc or do those with BSc get less chances? What is, what should people um, opt for? Or do recruiters have the highest value for one as against the other? You know, because there are people who have gotten admissions to Polytechnic but they won't go because it's a polytechnic. They want a university. So what will you say about this issue in engineering generally? So speaking from my own experience, <clears throat> I think <clears throat> there is still, there may be a bias. Okay. There is some form of bias, actually. Bias. Yes, there is some form of bias. Um, I hear, I didn't do, I didn't do a polytechnic, but I hear that there is a difference in the way, I mean, the teaching, the, the way the teaching is structured for polytechnic and structured for normal BSc, BNG and all that. So yeah, I think there is still that bias. And when roles are advertised, they actually put what is required. So I think, um, and, and, and if you're looking to have maybe more opportunities, because most times the opportunities I see, you know, if, if you want to be more open, 
there, you can't pursue a bachelor's, right? Mm -hmm. Because you see many roles being advertised and they're saying you need a BSc or you need this and that. But that does not mean maybe if you're unable to get admission, that you should probably just stay at home. Sometimes you may even have to take that HND and start with it. And I know there is usually HND and there's OND. So one of them is for about two years, and then either the other one is for maybe two years or three years. Mm -hmm. So you can decide to actually start with it if that is what you have and get the knowledge. Because because we're in we're still yeah, country is still such that yes, to you can't do away with certificates. And mm -hmm. they are just places where all they need you to do is just present the applicable certificate. So if you know that you don't want to limit your options, then you can as well go for get that certificate. Beyond just getting the certificate, we've already overemphasized on learning. But that I, I don't think that should be um, that should stop you, make you stay at home. You not say, no, I'm going to stay at home until maybe jam has been jamming you or sometimes even maybe getting sometimes it could be financial so maybe you don't have the enough money so to that for those who can start early have a very good jam score a very high YX score that if they are looking for people to give scholarship to you increase your chances right mm -hmm. so that in a way you can alleviate the financial burden. And then even while you're in school, while I was in school, I got two scholarships. Some of them, you need to just write exams, like they advertise, like I had Chevron scholarship, I had a scholarship from Society of Petroleum Engineers, Lagos section. So you can also be on the lookout for scholarship opportunities. Mm -hmm. And some scholarship opportunities are not only restricted to Nigeria, they could also, their schools are abroad. So you need to now find out what are the prerequisites to get in. Some of them require you to write GMATs, GRE, have a high score. So I'll just say that because the opportunities may not be much or because there's possibility of financial constraints, mm -hmm. if you put in your best, just put in your best so that you know that you have done your own part. Put in your best, have a high score, so that when you are, I mean, people are being picked, you can be selected. Um, don't, don't, if you cannot get in immediately after secondary school, make sure your mind is actively engaged. Maybe take up a, I, I, I once read a story of a, of a young man, he actually started learning how to code. And, and that's programming. And he now finally got admission to a school outside. But from his coding and building things, he was already being asked to like travel to different places around the world to come and teach. Right? Mm -hmm. So you are, I, I, it may not be easy, but if you can't get it immediately, just make sure your mind, your mind there, eh, be actively engaged. The company you keep matters. If all your friends are, they are not going to where you are, then find the ones that are encouraging you. 
And I know I've spoken to some persons that they can't get into admission immediately and they begin to draw. Like they, they begin to withdraw from their friends who have gotten admission because they feel like, wow, that person has moved forward and I have not. No, don't look at it that way because if you withdraw, it means that you can still be learning some things, right? You can be asking them, what are you, what are you being taught now? What are you being taught now? And then you can still be teaching yourself certain things online. And there are actually all these, I mean, there are online universities right now. I can't tell you how robust their program is. Some of them are free. Some of them are not. You have to pay a very small token. And then ask for help, right? Ask for help if you need it, especially financial help. There are some people who are willing to personally sponsor you. So please, please ask for help. Like, and yeah. So that, that that's what I that that's that's what I would say. Okay. Um, I I I think it was important that you highlighted what it is, and you know, like you said, it's about learning. And if these people who get the HND opportunities are that up with having relationships with people in the sector, it will really um, go a long way. Because going to school, having that HND will help them meet other people and they will be able to make further choices along their way. Thank you so much. So the next question is actually two questions in one. It's about recruitment and jobs, job hunting. For my conversation with you, you have some amazing practical advice for finding jobs and what to do when you find yourself in um interview situations so what do you think recruiters are looking for in in applicants and how can teenagers or young adults seeking to get employment in this area you know what do they need to know about applying for jobs signing maybe agreements with employers um, when should they start job hunting generally what would you say they need to know about job hunting and what they don't get, what they, what they want, the kinds of jobs they want? So, and even though he said it's two questions in one, it's like many questions. Many I'll say questions. that um, the common processes that may be recruiters, I'm not a recruiter, speaking from my own experience of job hunting, many times they will ask you to make applications. And by making applications, you may be required to send your CV, maybe an application letter. But basic things, you may be asked for a CV. And there's a difference between a resume and a CV. So as a recent graduate or a young adult, you may not have, you may not have so much experience. So many times a resume is more suitable because it could be one to two pages and you already highlight so on your CV or your resume, you have your academic qualifications, you, know, your, you have this degree from, and if you haven't finished, um, you would have like something like in view, you put the year when you're going to finish. Then you would have your experience, like it could be a career experience. So for me, like when I was starting, my internship is part of my experience. It's part of my experience. So even if you're in a course where you are not mandated to go on internship. Find an internship for yourself. Because those holidays, you can use them for something. 
and it may not be an official but you can and when <laughs> when i say package you can package it not to deceive people but to show so uh, and let me say that you organize so so let me use this example of somebody who let's say you know how to make cakes and um, for example, in your church, you were called to teach people how to bake cakes. That for itself is some form of experience because you can put it in such a way you say that you trained 50 persons mm -hmm. to have to develop entrepreneurial skills in cake baking so that they can be self-reliant mm -hmm. and value-adding to the society. If somebody just put that, <laughs> it makes a difference from somebody who thinks my cake baking is nothing. Mm. Or somebody who just puts dash <laughs> cake baking. <laughs> what does that mean? Or dash trained people. <laughs> so I'm, I'm only just trying to put this out. You'll be surprised that you have experience, you just don't think that you have. Some of them are not always your course of study experience. I, when I was in school, I was, I served in some service units. In my school, we had decorations. You have, you serve in units where you had to manage people, you had to organize meetings, right? Yes. Maybe you even had to, maybe you served in a communications team. You had to plan interviews, <laughs> or maybe you were in student union. Those are leadership skills. So, and like, Someone said, right, I think it helps for you to sit down and write down what are the experiences you had. And mm -hmm. so that you can pick out, so what skill does this experience portray? Did you write articles for your school? That's writing. Mm -hmm. What was the value of the article you wrote for your school? Right? Yes. Uh, and why I'm saying this is because many times you may, what do I put? on my CV in terms of experience. I, I think this is particular to, you know, recent graduates that may not have, I'm just trying to show all the possible experiences that you can have in school that can stand for something. And you want to be able to quantify and qualify. So that's what I'm saying. For example, trained 50 persons. What was the value of that training? And as I said, to be self-reliant because now these people, they have more means of making money and they mm -hmm. can rely on them. And, and, and they cannot add value to the society. So you want to quantify what you did and quantify the impact. And this is not only, you know, it's not only important just for your CV. If you were in a job and in your job you'll be exposed to appraisals, during your appraisals, you need to also quantify what's the impact of because it's not enough for you to just did this. Maybe you want to say you did whatever work as your supervisor gave you. No. You need to quantify how is that adding to the objective of the company, right? How is that contributing to the goals of the company? So I'm just, I mean, I'm just putting this out there. So CVs, write it well. Proofread it. Ask, you can have someone review it. No grammatical errors. And... You may have times where you may have a gap, like, you know, maybe even when you have graduated, you have a gap. Even when you're in NYC, the experience you had in your NYC, what skill, like what skill did you exhibit 
you need to be able to don't just say i taught in a school how did you like what was the impact of your teaching in a school how many students because it's not easy to it's not easy to teach students you are exposed to different people that have different learning capabilities and then you know if you are an effective teacher how can you pass across your message so that they are able to learn and so they reflect even in their performance their thinking pattern their attitude um so cvs cover letter something i used to do when i applied because i applied to so many places and <laughs> trust me you may have to knock on many doors 50 doors 100 doors 1000 doors it will actually be that so i used to have a folder of different places where i applied to and then in that folder i'll keep the documents i submitted mm -hmm. and even maybe what was the job responsibility that was required like what was maybe the expectations or the skill set why because you may apply to a place and totally forget you did and call you up they are trying to take what did i even apply for <laughs> what did i even apply for <laughs> right and that way uh, 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 and so so recruiters something extra that i would say is my volunteering experience helped me a lot because i was able to build leadership and communication skills and at a certain point on my cover letter, so my cover letter most times will now be like three, three paragraphs. I'll write my academic, like, you know, maybe the courses I did in school mm -hmm. that, that I think correspond to the role I'm applying for. Then I would even go ahead to write about my non-technical activities. For example, mm -hmm. um, when I, vol I volunteered with Society of Petroleum Engineers and we created articles that were even published online. And you wouldn't believe that in the second paragraph, I'll say my non-technical roles have exposed me to this, this and that. Find those articles here and put the link to the website. Now you can imagine if they have to read through so many, hmm. what would make your own stand out? Is it just the basic eye? You would find me, I'm, I'm very, I'm a fast thinker, I'm meticulous, I'm this, I'm that. There are only a couple of you that are writing the same thing, the same, the same, you know. So why should you be picked? I'm just trying to give an example. Why should you be picked? And so that for me was something. In fact, that was, then in the third paragraph, I would have gone to research about the company. And many companies have like slogans, right? Some companies are like making the world a better place. <laughs> so, this is the way I used to end. Like maybe I'm already working there. Uh, they, I look forward to joining so so so, so company, and then I put the slogan there. So let's say I, I look forward to joining company ABC um, and achieving the goal of making the world a better place, right? So I've done my own duty. <laughs> I've done my own duty, duty just to find out about your company, and I'm just trying to show that I'd like to be a part of. Yeah. Oh, somebody say, well, well, we did it first. <laughs> yeah, we did it first. You learn about each company and what's unique about uh, when it comes to interviews, I mean, and that's why, you know, get comfortable communicating. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you can ask your friends to conduct mock interviews for you and give you honest feedback. Um, so they are basic, and I remember reading one book, 101 questions about interviews. So there are various, you can find out what's the nature of the interview. You know, is it an interview where 
and so many times the common question is tell us the beginning question tell us about yourself tell us about yourself and uh, we are not asking you to tell us how many children are in your family tell us about your, your name what you studied the experience you have and how you think that ties into that role and then you know the more you do these things you can actually stare a way in which an interview can go by chipping in key experiences you have that they can pick up on and ask you further questions and in it and i'm just being a bit generic here in an interview if you ask a question you don't understand you can ask them to repeat it you can and and if it's something maybe you know if, if you honestly don't you can honestly, can honestly in a way Sometimes some recruiters can be that kind enough to explain what they mean. Arrive early, dress well, be polite to those you meet, around, observe. Some things you may have read. Do your due diligence to study about where you are applying to. You know, sometimes to ask you, tell us, what do you know about this company? And it can be so interesting when you are telling them, because that and somebody is employed in a company does not mean they know all about their company. You, you have been reading their websites <laughs> like you're doing the right exam. And it can be so funny when you ask them or tell them things that maybe <laughs> it will be like you're teaching them something new about their company because it's not everybody that once you have entered, you are in. But research about the company. And when they ask, do you have questions for us? Please have questions for them. Have intelligent questions. Um, some questions like, "What is the company? What is the strategic direction of the company in so and so area?" <laughs> this feels like, <laughs> but this is just. I'm just. There are so many interview questions, but find out, right? Find out. Find out what that interview is all about. Job hunting. You may have to write exams. We have already talked about that too. And you can ask questions, right? Sometimes you can reach out to persons who are working in that in those companies okay. and respectfully ask them that what do you think you know I may be exposed to. Um, you, you really touched on the um, having questions for them and what the um, teenager should do or the job hunter should do before that time the CV and all of that. Now, what how I just want to ask this because I remember you mentioned it. You know, some teenage, some people tend to play down on their experiences during the interview because they're trying to be humble. So, do what, what we do to people who struggle with confidence, you understand, in things like that. Don't don't do that at all. What what a company is looking to do is to hire the best candidate, and they don't know the best candidate just yet. So don't don't go in a mindset that you're not qualified. That's hmm. one. Don't go in a mindset that you're not qualified. They don't know the best candidate just yet. And in as much as you say, ah, some companies, you know, they already have a pool from which they pick on. There are still lots of companies that operate based on merit, right? And companies can always many times be audited and all that. So they still, if, if some companies can get away with being phony, they still have to pick some people based on merit. So if you're going to pick based on merit, don't go with, you have to portray yourself as the best candidate. I've been in a situation where you hear about humility. <laughs> Please, 
Let's do I have to laugh. I have to laugh because do not humility as underrepresenting yourself. Why do you go to markets and a product is maybe better, but you end up buying the one where the person called you and called you and stopped you and said, sister, sister, this product, you know, it will do this for you, to do that for you, to do this. It's because of that person was able to convince you. So you want to convince the recruiter that you are, you are fit for that position and they should hire you. So under the guise of humility or humility or whatever term it is called, mm -hmm. you need to be able to portray yourself as the right candidate and don't underrepresent your experience. Be confident. And, and that's why I think a lot of this would also boil down to self-awareness and really reflecting because some people are good and who knows, they may be dealing with self-esteem issues for whatever reason. I'm not trying to, this is not therapy, but be very comfortable with yourself, with the experience you have thus far and really reflect and the value you have brought, like, you may not have many years of experience, but the value that you have brought. <laughs> so let me give you an example. At some point in time on my CV, because I noticed that I was a bit keeping money. I had many people that told me, hold this money for me, give me at the end of the month. I see people who are not good saving. I'm like, no, that attitude is not good. Let me save your money for you. And I wasn't, I would always give them back their money. And, um, I also noticed that in my family, at some point in time, I was like some form of treasurer accountant. You will not believe that at some point in time on my CV, I had, I'm trying to remember how I put it, <laughs> financial something for the upper family, right? I put it on my CV. Yes, because wow. that is something. No, it is actually something. <laughs> I just have to laugh. But and you need to really step back and assess yourself. What are your experiences thus far? What is your journey? What have you been through? How have you navigated it? What have you learned from it? What is the skill associated with what you have learned? And what's the value you have added to your community or to just people around you, even if one or two? And that is what counts as to when you're not amongst people, you're not going to now feel less confident because you think someone else is better. No, there is a value you bring. And you're trying to say, I can't bring this value also to the company. And I'm also also able to, because sometimes some of the questions you ask in the interview is, what's the most difficult experience you have gone through? Mm -hmm. It could be professional experience. So some questions, you can think about them ahead of time and think about something in your life that you know how to sometimes... You have to be careful not to go so much into emotional experiences, right? Well, but still with discretion. What do you, you know, how do you, there are so many questions that you could be asked. So if you actually do take time to self-reflect and you're aware of yourself, I think these things help. Because in those moments, no matter how you may have even practiced for an interview, I think the more you're more in tune with yourself, you may find something that, be able to bring out in those moments. Now, I think there are so many things in terms of job hunting, but 
I can only talk about the ones that are coming to my head right now. Okay. <laughs> Something. I think you've given us a lot to chew on and work with. This has been amazing. And I really love what you said about self-awareness and um, not downplaying on your experiences, understanding you're bringing value to the table. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It has been an amazing interview. I just have one question. It's going to be one. <laughs> I won't do what I did with two. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. What is your word of advice to teenagers now? What, what would you say? Looking at everything that is happening um, in the country, with technology, in your industry, and with your experience, what word of advice will you give to teenagers? So, and because I don't want to start speaking so long again, um, what came to my mind right now is don't limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Especially in terms of mindset. Mm-hmm. Don't limit yourself as to say these opportunities are only for this particular set of people. Maybe say I, I'm not well to do. Mm-hmm. My parents don't have or I'm the one funding, I'm the one trying to make ends meet for my, because you see young people who right now, as young as they are, they are the one who is upholding their family. Mm-hmm. And so all that pressure makes them begin to, you know, fall back. I would say there are plenty, there are plethora of opportunities, and I think it starts from here. Mm-hmm. So don't limit yourself. Do not, I would say, don't also limit yourself to say certain things only work outside of the country. Like when you tell people solve problems, they're like, no, yeah, there are certain things that are peculiar to Nigeria, right? The policies and enabling environment. But there are still people that are thriving. And so if you're open-minded to say there are people that are thriving, right? then begin to ask, what do those people that are thriving know that I don't know? But if you already limit yourself to say, it's for rich people, mm-hmm. it's for more educated people, it's for people that went to this school, it is for people that are so-so age, because you see sometimes some people that didn't start out school early and they started out school late, so it already seems like they are old, and mm-hmm. when they come out, they put in a particular job and they're like, you must not be 25 years and above. <laughs> and then you, when you're graduating, you're already 25. Does that mean that there is, like, there is nothing in it for you? No. So don't limit yourself. You're not too young to start a business. I, I would even wish that people even just registered business names even when they didn't even know what business they wanted to go to. You just registered a business. And maybe at some point, you now realize, I want to do this. And then you already have a business entity that you can work with, right? You don't have to start going through social process, maybe opening a corporate account and all those things. So I know there are so many things and so many advices. I don't want to go technical. I would say that the opportunities that you can attract comes from here. Wow. You may not be where you are now, but... What are the images? Like, what are you telling yourself? Because I think this is where the conversation is. And even though I'm pointing to brain or I'm just trying to, your brain, your mind, 
what are the conversations you're having? Because it is within yourself, you're telling yourself whether you're enough or you're not enough. Or you're, it is from there you build confidence. So do not, my advice is, first don't limit yourself in terms of your mindset. If you're open-minded, you will know that be whatever gap you may have, you can feel it. Right? If you see where you are right now and where you need to go to, and there is a gap, provided you know that that place you need to get to is accessible to you also, irrespective of your background, your sex, your race, or whatever, it is open to you, then you will not ask, okay, what do I need? Mm -hmm. What do I need? What are the attitudes I need to have? What are the skills I need to have? Do I need mentors? Obviously, you need mentors. So do I need to network? How do I network? Um, do I need to improve my interactions? Um, so you begin to ask the right questions once you have not shut your mind. When you shut your mind, I don't think there's any help that anybody can give you. I don't think. I, so don't limit yourself first. That, that's what I would say. Wow. Thank you so much. Don't limit yourself. It starts with your mind. Um, what are the conversations going on in your mind? What are the things you're telling yourself? This has been, like we can go one year <laughs> just thinking about these things and, you know, it will change a lot. And I really want to thank you, um, Princess, for taking time from your busy schedule. I know how busy you are from our last discussion. And, you know, it's, it's, it really means a lot, not just to me, but to the teenagers and the people who are going to be listening to this interview. Thank you so much. Um, I look forward to having you again, maybe on a related topic, but it has been an amazing time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this edition of My Career Story. Make sure to visit our website at www.luxniamedia.com and to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Luxnia Media. See you next time. Bye.